0: Welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast for three dungeon masters who've been doing this for <laughs> way too long. Talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. I'm Thorn, and I'm joined by Tony. They just wanna, they
1: just wanna, they just wanna. Girls just wanna have fun. Girls wanna have fun. It's the first one that came to mind when we were discussing what we were going to talk about tonight. So we are all tonight pretty, pretty
0: girls. <laughs> I've got the rubber bands in my beard to prove it. Yes. <laughs> Captain uh, Lou, baby. Captain that, Blue. that, of course, is DM Dave, the rock and roll DM, singing a little <laughs> Cindy Lauper for us today. Talking about fun. And the reason we're talking about fun is because for today's episode, we're going to talk about what do you do if you're not having fun as a dungeon master? Now, this comes from a reader question, and again, if you have any questions you'd like us to cover, please send us an email at 3ysdms at gmail.com, or go to our website and fill out the What's Your Problem field on the website, which is what this... uh, what this uh, new DM did, and we're gonna call the person new DM because there is he or she doesn't didn't give us their name. So if you want us to respond to you, uh, and you're using the what's your problem field, give us your name and email address, and we'll get back to you. But here is what this uh, what this DM what their problem is. I'm DMing for the first time using Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. I'm about eight weeks in, and honestly it's just not that much fun for me. I wonder if I am just not fit for DMing. The prep work, and I may be over-preparing, is a huge time sink. My players are crushing the encounters as written, but I've since then learned to bump up the CR and add creatures. Also confirming my hunch with this podcast that adding, you know, I guess we've talked about adding creatures and bumping up CR rating.
2: He says
0: here, here six players equals adding two to three CR to your CR limit, and that's the sweet spot, which we have talked about before. Yeah. When you're going to six players in a party over four, you need to bump up. But the DM here goes on, when the monster's get utterly slaughtered it's a little dissatisfying i admit also the book was hyped up to be a horror fest but in reality it doesn't quite live up to that and i'm not creative enough to induce more horror on my own where do you guys find fun in dming is that an important aspect am i just not am i just meant to be a player i don't want to go on for much longer but my solution is to add myself as a pc i know usually frowned upon i am playing it fair and no meta no favoritism i filled a hole my party needed with some healing and they are so and so far they're happy with it thoughts on dm pc So far, it's added a little fun I'm looking for, for me at least. Thanks for your thoughts. So, you know, we've got someone here, and I think we've all been here, who they're they're DMing the game, and they're not enjoying DMing. And it seems there's a few reasons for it. I mean, what do you guys think When when you hear new DMs letter here? What immediately jumps out to you? That's never happened. No, I've enjoyed every single second
1: of it. I don't know what the hell this person is talking
0: about. <laughs> Absolutely. Gaming yeah, is mean, nothing but a treasure, nothing but a treat. Every player is a gift. <laughs> and then I'm sorry, I just, I'm going to get It's just, like an Argyle sweater. I'm, I'm going
2: to
1: call Tony out here real quick and just honest, be completely honest. Is this actually you writing this letter, Tony, just to have us talk about the DMPC? Or Unfortunately,
0: not. What? <laughs> no, but that would have been a brilliant idea. That would have been great. Tony almost always puts a DMPC in, and you do it because you enjoy it, and it gives you a touchstone with the party, right? That's exactly right. And um, it
1: is, it, within the community, completely frowned upon. So new DM is also correct, but, you know, Tony can continue, please. Well,
2: okay. I can qualify that statement there and I can understand why because you've in that situation where your players are grinding through an encounter, you get to the boss, the boss is preposterously scaled. It's, it, this is an opponent's five times as strong as it should be for a boss in this universe. It's mopping the floor with you. You finally like break your magic items Wear it down, use your last charges, and the NPC controlled by the DM gets the kill. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's like that one meme where the guy's are cracking the champagne bottle and he sprayed it. I was like, Woo! He's got the pistol in place.
0: I will say, if you're going to run a DM PC, it pays to be support. Players usually appreciate when you're a support character, you don't want to be a striker or a fighter or a wizard who's just mopping up the floor with people. And even Tony, even even Erasmus, when you played him as a wizard, you played him more as a support wizard, more as a, eh, they could use a little fire here. Yeah, no. Uh, you can't be the star of your own
2: story, but because someone like you know, as Tony Stark was cursed with, cursed knowledge, I was cursed with being the having the mantle as DM so much. I'm like, if I don't make an NPC, I am never going to freaking have a chance to play a character. It's never going to happen until COVID came, and now I'm in like six games. But it, does it make it more fun for you when you're PC? One hundred percent. As I've said before in the previous podcast, the perspective it gives me is. Extraordinary, because now I'm looking at, for. In, well, I'll give you an, a very quantitative example. When it comes to treasure balancing, like a lot of times, DMs will be like, "Oh, here's some treasure. Throw it out there. The PCs grumble, and you're like, "What are you, you freaking guys, talking about? This shit's great." And they're like, "Uh," and like, and "You're like, stop belly aching. You suck." And then you're that you're, you're you're then you're on the other side of this, and you're like, "Wow, this is really underwhelming," and you can't make that that observation unless you're on your other side unless your npc rolls picks the treasure last and gets the ring of sustenance after you killed the green dragon and you're like
0: <laughs> yeah you know this is funny i know for me i actually once upon a time i ran some PCs. these days i don't in part because i don't want that extra thing i've got to manage Like it is work. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's it. No, people, I was yeah, I was just agreeing with you wholeheartedly on that one.
0: So when we talk about what makes it fun, not fun for the DM, and we do have another podcast about what do we enjoy, we have a whole podcast about what makes it fun for the DM. So I don't want to go there necessarily. We can hit some of that stuff, but really, when you're sitting down to a game like like new DM here is doing, and it's not fun, like what do you do about it? Well, I mean, you got to look at
2: this and ask yourself, what do you enjoy about DMing? And then focus on that as your foundation. I've touched on that before. Like, for example, he's gone into or he or she has gone into a prep time being a huge problem. Well, there are ways to, to address that. There are strategies they can use that we've talked about in the past about, you know, not getting lost, dicking around with a map for three hours because we've all done that. Like, let me do my maps. Yeah. I prepped for maps. Six hours later, I've got these maps and I got some monsters on these maps. The treasure's garbage. My plot's iffy at best. I can't remember the NPC's names. But look at these maps, guys. This is this is what brings you to the table, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's um. There, I mean, there's several things with it. And Tony, you you said it correctly. Like there are fixes for a lot of things, but it is difficult sometimes with. And I love published, published stuff. I'm running, you know, Strahd right now and I love it. And I, like I've said before, I'm probably going to run every adventure at some point. That's my goal. (laughs) But with that said, there is oftentimes a lot of information. Tony, you saw this with Storm Kings, you know, because you're going into a world that already has a ton of lore. So when you first crack these books, you're like, oh, my God, do I have to literally know all of this? You know, like with Rhyme and the Frostman, you start in Ten Towns. So you have to know, like, everything about Ten Towns. And God forbid one of your players fucking read a Driss novel, you know, (laughs) because, like, right? Like, forget about it. Um, So that can be a little bit difficult in that way. But even still, I would go back to some of our prep casts and some of our even the articles about prepping to help cordon that a little bit more so because uh, that can be definitely a time sink for you.
0: And I think one of the things you have to figure out when you're coming into DMing a game, and, and when you're coming in, and like new DM saying here, when you're coming in and you're realizing you're managing a game and it's all about management and you're not having any fun, that is one of the inherent tricky things about DMing is sometimes you wind up feeling like you were just the manager of these players, that you are just that you're almost like Sometimes it can feel like you're the computer processing and just running monsters at them and pulling out maps and you're not actually playing a game and enjoying yourself. One of the keys to figuring that out is finding what you do enjoy in DMing. Like you need to understand yourself well enough in in, in what you enjoy playing to be able to say, okay, I know I'm going to have fun with this. So a lot of DMs like telling the story and they like being the characters and they like being at the center of attention, the more acting style DMs. They really get into that and they emphasize that and that becomes a big part of the game. Players love that stuff. I'm not as big of an acting DM. I'm not someone who's, who wants to come out and speak in a funny voice, although I will.
2: Oh, my <laughs> I, voices are yes, you, well, will. Yeah, yes, yeah. you Will.
0: I've got I mean, that in a yeah, good way. Exactly. Like, so for me... That's not what's interesting for me as a DM. And we've talked about this a lot. What's interesting is the world I'm building. What's interesting is the stories I'm putting out there, having players interact with things, setting up encounters I'm going to have fun running. Like I do enjoy, I will go through the monster manual, find monsters I want to play with. And that is part of what I enjoy in running a game as a DM. Understanding that about me lets me build games that I have fun running. And oftentimes, like, that's also why I don't do a whole lot of book stuff. I do a lot of homebrew because I have things I want to explore. We've talked about, yeah, the the whole Gothic Kingdoms adventure. The uh, Woodstock Wanderers have a Lovecraftian horror that they're dealing with under the planet. That, to me, is interesting. I'm a fan of that kind of cosmic horror, great kind of monstrous things you can't deal with that are way above your head that you have to work around and live in the world with. That's why that's in the game. You know, I didn't put that in because I thought the players would enjoy it. I hope they enjoy it. I want them to enjoy it. But it's in there because that's the kind of story I enjoy telling. And I oh. enjoy seeing how characters interact with that. So that's why I'm doing that. And I think you need to understand that. You need to know for yourself, what part of it do you enjoy? And that, that'd be my, that's my really two cents on this. It really, it's, it's, it gets, you know, it's kind of the macro level thing. Figure out what you need to do to enjoy the game and do that first. Because if you're not enjoying the game, no one has a game to play. It's very true.
2: It is. very true. Yeah, don't feel locked in just because you're doing printed material and you have these encounters or whether they be... Battle encounters, or they're just events. There are plenty of things in Storm King's Thunder. I took a look at, and for maybe about half of a second, and said, "There's no way I'm running this," and tossed it. it. It it would. I don't feel it would have been well received. I didn't like it, or I didn't think I could have play. There's a lot of reasons why, but there's plenty of stuff that I'm just like out the window. Dave, one day you're gonna buy this module, read it, and laugh your ass off, and be like, "What? Oh, oh my I'm,
1: god, this is!" I'm this totally hard. gonna add it to my collection when we're done playing it, so I could get a sense because I would like to see um don't you have it, it what it all what, what it
0: also does I when you actually had it The the other one you bought well, it oh, Tony has it yeah yeah I i will say like I feel like we need to release Tony's version as almost like he's like the William was it William Golding of the of, of the game he, who wrote Princess Bride William Golding right i not I don't,
2: don't know, know I'm, I'm embarrassed things. I should yeah. really know that
0: the Princess Bride is the good parts version of another story.
2: It is another story
0: retold by the, as the good parts version. Tony is basically the William Golding of Storm King's Thunder. He's telling the good parts. That's version. possibly the nicest thing you've said to me. Goodness. Wow. Well, we'll, we'll put a pin in
2: that because we'll, we don't know.
1: We don't know what parts are the good parts about. Right. right. I have, it's it's until I kill you, you off with But no, with that's very, happen. that's very true though. Like, you know, even the, even the books themselves lay it out that none of this stuff is is in you know like it's not written in stone you can absolutely alter it um and you should if your party is doing something else I have said on multiple occasions I have been running Curse of Strahd very close to the book but as we go on as the party does things and interacts with that world as small as it may be I will change things or I will change things specifically because that doesn't work for that character, you know. But with that, too, I would say, you know, know know what you're and I think this goes to one of New DM's other points too. And Thorne, you've said it before, you know, know the movie that you're in. So know the story that you're about to run. So if you're running Iceland Dale, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, like okay, if you're running Curse of Strahd. You know what you're gonna be running into. It's gothic horror, it's all of that. But even with that, my biggest recommendation for anyone running Strahd is go back to the Universal Monsters. That tells you everything you need to know to get to get out of that what they're what they're trying to to put into it.
0: With, unless, unless you're running Strahd like I'm running Strahd, in which case my advice is to go back to Vlad the Impaler. Totally, totally mm. true. Yeah, if you're
1: running Strahd as is, is a completely separate individual, you know. But <laughs> if you're running that adventure, you know. With Icewind Dale, I would say, Thorne, I was saying this to you earlier, uh, and it actually fits in with Woodstock. Because at the end of the book, Chris Perkins writes a little afterward about when they were putting this together. And it was a huge there's a huge writing team on Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, huge. Mm. And Perkins says he pushed very hard the whole time to push towards survival horror. So what this book is, when they talk about it being a horror thing and you wanting to put the horror in, it's horror in the way that Lovecraft did it at, at the Mountains of Madness. It's the way John Carpenter did it in the thing. It's survival horror. It's you are stuck. And you are going to die out there unless you find shelter and food, and then oh, also some sort of Yeti is probably going to try to attack you as well,
0: right? <laughs> but this is like this is like a high-level module, right? Isn't it like uh, 11 to 20? Oh
1: no, this start this is like a one to one to 11. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. No,
2: that
0: that'd be a very tough sell to do yeah, a it's survival hard to do. horror when you're like yeah. level 12. I mean that that that's rough. And I do have to clarify, I'm sorry, The Princess Proud is written by William Goldman, not William Golding, William Goldman. Uh, you know, run your games like him, not like William Golding, who wrote Lord of the Flies, because that's a totally different thing, not nearly as much fun. Again, know the movie that you're in. Know the movie that you're in. Exactly. Are you trying to run a William Golding book or a William Goldman book? That's really important. Oh, God, you know. Wesley. Oh, yes, God, he
1: just took good. his hand. <laughs>
0: I want to say with uh, in
2: terms of when you're running printed material, uh, here's a concept I want to throw out there. It's called lore tolerance, and the question is how much lore tolerance does your party have? Are they eating this all this printed material up, this background, or are they like, yeah, 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 can, can I go in the castle? Because if you hit that point, <laughs> give, give them the splash. Here's the depth. Okay, you can go deeper you if you want. You don't want – all right, go through the gates. All right, onward to the next scene. That's a good point,
1: Tony. That's a very good point. Yeah, because as he's, st- he even knew DM said in their letter that they're worried about DMPC, right? For instance, but the party is loving that they have this healer with them now. Yeah. So the party is telling you that they're really enjoying it, but you're self doubting because you've think that other people are going to say that's the wrong way to play D&D and you know what you say to those people fuck you that's what you say to those people okay uh and it's the same thing like people will put it on things like the Matt Mercer effect and all this kind of stuff too and they they've you know ruined it. no because Matt Mercer is the first guy to be like please don't try to do it this way this is the way my game runs run your game the way you want to run it have fun how you want to have fun and if your party's having fun then you're halfway there already
0: Right. Indeed. Yeah. And I think, you know, a good rule of thumb is, uh, you know, never, ever listen to what anyone online has to say. And I say this as someone <laughs> with a, a podcast and, and, and blog online. online. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a rule. You know, I'm I'm a writer. I write online. I write online articles. And there is a rule me and all the other writers I know follow. Never read the comments. we read them on three wise dms you can comment on three wise dms we do read them respond to them uh it's it's 2021 so you don't get a whole lot of comments directly on articles they more happen on facebook but in general you know that people who are kind of going out of their way to tell you to comment on how you're doing something are often kind of there to to basically say that they know how to do it the right way and everyone else is doing it the wrong way. You you can't pay attention to that. And that goes for a lot of this online commentary. Like, There's a lot of people who will jump in just to tell you you're playing the game wrong and your players must hate how you're running it. Those people don't know your players. You are at the table with your players. If they're enjoying it and you're enjoying having a DMPC, you know, Sally Forth, go ahead with that. That is exactly what you want to be doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Like, we have now, never complained about having Tony's characters in the game. It's, it's, it's nice. You know, they tend to help at the right times. So got- well, I'm glad you think so. <laughs> well, there's been times now I, I, I have
2: been, but I understand the other side of this, too. I've been a player yeah. in games where there's been some NPCs where it's like, oh, well, I could research this problem and get to the bottom of this. Or I could just ask Nick, the DM's PC, because... Nick seems to know everything that's going on. I guess there's a cheese factor. If there's a cheese factor then because I'm I keep coming back to the continuity. The, that if it starts to unhinge that in any respect, that's yeah. something that kills the fun for me. And when when you start when you start to run into those things, I I can understand where you're you're hitting these bumps. But with the encounter specifically, these monsters are all clay. Like, you're talking about going through the DMG or going through the uh, Monster Manual and finding things you like. Yeah, well, I mean, you have to find rel- relatively, you know, well-placed encounters in this frost, icy horror adventure, but change it around. Make it more interesting. They're waiting through your stuff. I'll tell you, if you wade through my monsters a couple of times, it's going to stop. I'll ca- I'm, I'm calibrating. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so the ice scorpions were no good. Oh, you got the yetis, too. No problem. We <laughs> meet the frost hydrous. Now they mean business. Absolutely,
1: I same thing too with me. I'm we're, it's a constant calibration because the, it's always changing. And then you'll throw something at them, and it just it starts to roll them, and you're like, oh crap, now what? And then and then you're having to like dial because the TPK is imminent, you know. So uh, I will say with the DMPC idea, I I don't run them myself. Um I just thorn like you said. It's just one whole additional thing that now I have to think about. And it's just, that's too much. Um, <laughs> it's just too much.
0: Which is the but, other um, side of it. it. But it
1: gets to the point of I everyone would, DMs differently. But I would. For me, like what I'm saying, if you're going to do the DMPC, I think the only time you run into the problem is like, Tony, you said, look at it more like your DMPC should be like Gandalf, right? He He's like, he helps, like, and he'll get you out of, like, the frying pan sometimes, but for the most part, he's just kind of there, being like, well, that's, you know, he's got this limitless angelic power or whatever, but he, you know, instead he just lights pine cones on fire and throws them out of the tree at the wolves, <laughs> like, bro, right. you do? <laughs> I, I mean, he, caught, he, he lit up pine cones, and he, uh... You know, he put light. He cast light on his staff. I mean, that was pretty much most of what he did. And
2: and couldn't remember Uh, what Elvish was in front, but those
1: on camera. camera. You know, I mean, he got a little more powerful later, but that was, you know, epic tier. So.
0: (laughs) And it is if you have a DMPC, one of the one of the keys to I think making sure everyone enjoys it is one, it doesn't. We talked about it doesn't overpower in combat, and two is that it doesn't become the star of the show. It doesn't know things. It helps if you're going to run a DMPC. It helps if it is a dumb. You know, story dumb support character, so that it's not necessarily throwing out the answers. It doesn't have the answers. It doesn't have the combat answers. It helps the it helps the rest of the party along. That's a good role for your saying. Yeah, and if it occasionally a, does something cool, great.
1: Yeah, or give them a, an interesting flaw that they're cowardly or something. You know, and they're along for the ride because of whatever reason. But they're not the person that's going to run headlong into the fight. And that can actually turn into some fun encounters. I think for me, that kind of happened because I, I in essence, ran the DMPC of Arena Yeah. But not really, because she's not really a PC. And I attempted very much when I wasn't just forgetting that she was on the board, because Mm -hmm. again, one more thing to think. But I never wanted her. She was very much a human she was a human female in Barovia who had a sword and a breastplate. And, like, that's pretty much it. She was not this, uh, you know, champion warrior. But then as you, as we kind of played with her and I got her to become a little bit more brave and she wanted to fight alongside you and she wasn't going to be taken down by this Strahd character and all of this, and then she would get herself into some trouble. She would start running in with the fight, too, and then you guys would be like, Fuck, we got the same arena like she's about to get like splattered against the sidewall, <laughs> and I, for me, I thought that turned into some some kind of silly and fun in, uh, encounters and times, you know. Yeah,
0: I have occasionally had a, had a party pet that comes along, but even then, like for me, it's just like I, yeah, like you said, you forget they're there. You know, you're so worried on the, on the NPCs and the monsters and the adventure and the other stuff you're pulling out for me, at least it it gets to be, you know, the the PC gets to be one, one other thing I'm not, that, that I'm not trying to run. But so getting back to new DMs kind of kind of questions here. Mm. So, you know, there's several things in here that specifically are making the game not fun for this DM. The first one that they mention is the prep work. They're over preparing and it's a huge time sink. And as you guys said, we've all run into that, especially on Roll 20. Like when I have to get to when I have to kind of go find a bunch of maps and find a bunch of images, and you can't find quite the right thing, and you need to get your stuff set up. It definitely feels like a time sink. It's the same though if I'm doing all that work. Uh, for a tabletop game? You know, I mean, what do you do if the prep's are starting to drive you nuts? How do you guys handle it? I know how I handle
2: it. I'll I'll mention that in the end. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, we already talked about extensively in previous podcasts about rolling those maps back. Mm -hmm. Like, seriously, do some theater of the mind. And, you know, with the prep work, again, your game needs to have flow. So I would say, I usually look at, I'm looking at maybe, depending upon the length of my game, seven, eight points tops I want to hit in there. And that's tops. In fact, you're probably better off hitting like five. So, we're talking like your beginning point, your opening encounter. Are your guys shopping? Are they in town? Great. They meet this NPC. There's a battle. Then there's a riddle. Then there's a challenge. Then there's a battle. Then there's the boss. And then there's the treasure. And depending upon, that's one encapsulated unit, like mini module. Now, what this DM is talking about is this very sandbox, which is very organic and real feeling. At the same time, you could be wandering around an effing library for four hours. And if your party's eating that up, great, but they're probably not. You know, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, we explored this. And especially if you're doing milestone XP, which I'm a huge fan of, the flip side is, guess what? You didn't you didn't reach the, the the finish line you didn't reach that point so
1: no level <laughs> you for get you a
0: milestone
1: <laughs> you got it yeah that's the whole uh, this right in the name it's right there i would i would kick back to uh, the article i did on session prep where i put my session yeah. notes my prep has evolved over time i used to wildly over prep and it is a incredible time sink now Sometimes it's a very enjoyable time thing for me. There are times where I love that kind of stuff, where I'll just craft whole parts of the world.
0: Cool, it'll, but it'll for this, fun.
1: right? But for the session itself, I would highly recommend checking out Mike Shea, Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master. His idea about secrets and clues, especially when you're talking about this, like Tony, you were talking about lore relevance. I thought that was awesome. Your players may or may not like that, but if they do. You'll have this list of 10 things that you have set already that will fill your game out in ways you don't even realize. And it's not, it's not extensive prep. It's prep you're doing when you're walking your dog. You know That's where a lot of my ideas pop in, and then I just go put them on paper when I get back home. And again, Tony, you said four, four to five encounters, seven to eight tops. Yeah, like four or five encounters. That's all you're going to get through. You know, so you do not have to uh, plan out the entirety of 10 towns, let's say, because I know we haven't run this adventure yet, but I do have it. I flipped through it Um, and it has a very much that that kind of feel of a lot of the other adventures where there are these large, sprawling cities and stuff. But there's also a lot of extreme things like extreme cold and. Um, things that are going to get you out there in the dark and in. The, it's also by the way it's very much like Barovia because it's always fucking dark here because of certain things that are happening right so I would say go back think about what movie you're playing in go and read Something like At the Mountains of Bandits. Go and watch John Carpenter's The Thing. I think that movie that Liam Neeson was recently in, where he's out in the wilderness, or even uh, Leo DiCaprio, The Revenant, right? This stuff where you are, you're out there. There's no one to come and save you, and there's no hotel on the corner. That's where, like, that horror's coming in. That's where a lot of your encounters are coming in, right? If they blow through stuff, throw a fucking Yeti at them. Throw... Ice Wolves out. I don't know.
0: Whatever.
2: <laughs> Although I have to kind of question it with a little bit of concern. I would I'd be very curious if we could ask this DM. Do you enjoy running a horror style campaign? Because that may not be your bag. You, I, I've said before, I, I'm the epic style DM. Like, I, I would not dig this campaign at all whatsoever. I'd yeah. be like, okay, yeah. Hunting for food. Well, this is great. But Tony, like, I want to go slay a hydra.
1: Think about what you're, uh, you wanted to do an Underdark campaign, right? And that would be kind of similar in some ways, right? Because you're on your own. That's you're, the way he'd run it. He you know, you would just have massive cities everywhere. <laughs> We'd immediately be in Menzo and just
2: <laughs> Yeah, let me fending machines. I mean, I don't know. But you know, no, it's, it's true. Tony you just want to be underground. And I run, the,
1: run the type of game you want to run in terms of tone. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You want to hear something funny with that? And this is the same criticism that immediately popped in my head. And, it, and it's interesting that I kept this floating around my psyche. So I put the players in the underdark and they're like, can we just leave? Like life is so hard and oppressive here. It's dark. And there's these tunnels and you're claustrophobic. And this sucks. Yeah. Can we just leave? And my, my immediate response within seconds of reading this email was like, I would just want to go south. <laughs> like why am i here what is the compelling reason why i'm in this frozen hell there's what, nothing
1: like, yeah nothing nothing is saying that you have to because you started in Iceland dale that you have to stay there i mean if you start in barovia guess what you'd fucking say sorry yeah, no, sorry this is, game, this, this is is the game guys this is the game, right That's but they're very different right very yeah
0: so I mean, it comes back to kind of I think, you know, what we're saying at the beginning of, you know, Dave, like you said, you got to know the movie you're in, but you also have to know, is that a movie you want to watch? So, yeah. so, so you just went through a, a bunch of property. Yeah. Order. Yeah. Direct. But I think you got to want to watch it. You know, you got to want to, if it's not the kind of media you would want to watch or you'd want to read. Exactly. Then I think you're not going to enjoy DMing that. And you should go, try to either either twist it in a way you will want to into the kind of story you do want to talk uh, tell or just go do something else. But you can't you know, if you hear the idea of survival horror and like, OK, we're going to be kind of trekking through the cold and the dark and we're constantly on the edge of death, if that doesn't sound cool to you you know that's probably not going to be a lot of fun for you to run as a dm if you want to run something that's kind of more more fairy tale-ish or more like epic fantasy or more or or more you know hey we're 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 in like the happy kind of middle earthy kind of place and we're just kind of killing you know we're raiding goblin hordes and and things like that that kind of thing is a different style of game and if that's what you want to do that's what you should do, you know, cause you're not going to have fun running a kind of game that you would not enjoy reading a book of.
1: Thorne. That's a good point. And just within that movie, even because like you could, like you could run a game where you get to be Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli, and you right. go and fight hordes at castles, and you go to meet the riders of Rohan, and you see Gondor, or you could be fucking Sam Frodo stuck in the hellscape that is climbing Mount Doom for the, that last six months, right? Wouldn't you want to do that? <laughs> That's Wouldn't that be great? right I mean, like which but those
0: are two very different they exist in the same
1: world but they are very yeah. different games
0: right and you're absolutely right because Sam and Frodo went through the survival horror game yeah and Aragorn Legolas and Gimli and the other Hobblest they went off and had high epic adventure high epic fantasy adventures yeah they're like, talking you know, with
1: the tree they're talking with the ants they're like, right. right yeah and it, you know it was is like,
0: it is so important yeah. to know yourself first you have to know what you're going to enjoy running what, and that probably comes from what you enjoy watching and what you enjoy reading if you know what kind of movie you like to watch or what kind of book you like to read you're probably gonna enjoy play, running a game that kind of fits that mold mm.
2: you, you see one of the problems i've run into as a dm is and it's part of my style rather to keep it interesting to keep my players on their heels i need to switch up the environments if you're gonna tell me they're stuck in a frozen hell indefinitely that's rough now Barby is different you're in a horror movie like, that's it. You you're, you're took a one-way train ticket. That's happening like that. That's probably the only exception of the rule. For example, yeah. Dark Sun. I know Thorne loved Dark Sun back in the day. The only yeah. problem is, and I like a good desert. I really do. I love genies and Arabian Nights. I like that setting a lot. But I want to be there for my entire career, staggering <laughs> around with sunburn going, if I only had some water. I mean, come <laughs> on.
0: Yeah, I would say... And that's actually a great point you make, Tony. Not only that, you know, you don't want to be in the same place for your whole career, but survival ish settings are only really interesting at low levels. Cause you yeah. want to pretty quickly get to a point where you don't need to worry about bullshit like that. Like dealing with the cold and not having enough food and am I going to get stabbed by the next by the next robber that comes along? These are first level problems. Like by nine levels, one at least. Yeah, at I mean best. By ninth level, you don't want to be dealing with that stuff as your major – that shouldn't be, like, your major uh, uh, conflict point anymore. You know, man versus nature is interesting at low levels or at very high levels when nature is, like, the elemental plane of fire and you're trying not to die because you got thrown there. Right, but you
1: know? that's kind of what, what's happening here, right, because he's eight weeks in, so – yeah. They're maybe, they're probably second third level I would guess maybe right now well, maybe.
0: if they if they've played eight games we don't know how often they're playing it's it's notes, least, right yeah Thank if you're eight sessions in you might be you're probably you could easily be in second tier and if you're playing really fast you could be a nine, awesome. you could be in the third tier you know it's I will awesome.
1: say again from my very quick perusal of it there are a lot of things that happen that don't just revolve specifically around that but I think that is the tone that, much like Barovia, yeah. right the very initial tone that was set when you enter Barovia, well, first the Death House, which we won't discuss ever again. But, um, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but uh, when you enter Barovia, there's very much that tone setting where traveling the Spalage Road is dangerous. Traveling at night is dangerous. The wolves are dangerous. By the time you hit fourth, fifth, sixth level, you're like, yeah, fuck that. Yeah. I, don't care. I don't really care. But unless Strahd shows up, Like, I think we, we're all right you know, until we hit the big encounter. But it yeah. set the tone in the beginning. And I think the same thing with something like this. It's setting that tone um, yeah. that they then will will approach things like that. But again, if you don't enjoy running it that way or that type of game, then yeah, it this is probably not going to be as fun.
2: I have another crazy point to add to this. So he's going through these as-written encounters, and they're chewing through them. Maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, like I've said before, too, I don't I have no problem throwing out an easy encounter. Let my guys do an easy encounter. See if they burn their big powers on them. You know, they take a few hits. But you know what? Especially when you're, you know, tier two, tier three, you guys are very badass at that point. You should feel that. Yeah. You should be like every fight is a pitched battle back and forth for life and death using your last charge and your last potion because that like, gets very discouraging, especially if you're not leveling up quickly.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's that whole level thing. When is what thing threatening? Because there's a level at which it's interesting for, like, for every encounter to be threatening. In the first level, everything should be tough. But once you get a little higher up, you don't want everything to be tough.
2: One horror, I, I, this is a little random, but I think this is very applicable. We play all these games on our phones, and they're clones of other games. Yeah. And one mechanic that drives me nuts, I've seen it in several different games I've played, is there's like this tower event. You're trying to get, this is to say like there's 30 floors in this tower. And you're trying to fight your way up through encounters to get to this tower, and that the 30th floor, and that's the goal. And, you know, you figure, well, okay, you start at low level, you build up your strength, you can punch your way up this tower with this enhanced strength of yours, yada yada. The problem is, and it's where this breaks down entirely, is the monsters are getting more powerful with you. So there's literally no point in (laughs) trading.
0: The tougher you are, the tougher they are. It's true, it's
2: true. I mean, honestly, like, you know, I I made this joke back in the day, but, like, in, in Final Fantasy VIII, You know, you're running around the first board and you're fighting uh, dragonflies, and you come back and you're level 70, and that same dragonfly is also level level 70, and it has the equivalency of ninth level spells.
0: you don't want them to feel that way you want them to feel like they're getting better than other other people no. you want to feel you want them to feel like they're getting better than the things they used to beat up and that's one of the things that we talked about like skyrim did a good job with like gatekeeping encounters this thing was one stronger than you but now you're way stronger than it like the giants you know up to a certain point the giants kick your ass above that point you destroy the giants no problem i do understand though what what this dm is saying it's important to have easy encounters if you feel like the party's rolling everything you're doing it can get boring as a dm especially if you're someone who likes to engage in that kind of that tactical battle aspect of it, or wants to enjoy the monsters a little bit. So I do get that. And it is important to be able to jack up the level one to challenge the players. We've talked about this. Like I like to really do a challenging encounter, you know, probably the right ratio is probably one per three, you know, give the party two to three easy encounters and then bring out something that is harder for them. You know, you know, they get to do it their way where they get to drop on the enemy two or three times. And then the enemy gets to drop on them. It's a whole different thing, you know, attacking from the back or the party can't get information or you take out the wizard, you know, things like that. And if you can't do that sort of thing, because the encounters are so one-sided for the party, it can be beat. You can start to feel like you're just the, just the CPU kind of running the monsters for them. And that's not fun. Not for me, at least. You know, so, yeah, I, I do think it's important to know to, to be able to jack it up and kind of get on a par with the party. At the same time, if the only thing you find fun is kind of having challenging combats, you know, that's really not what the is all about. Like, that's only one aspect of it. So if that's the only thing that makes it fun... I would try to figure out what else you would enjoy doing as a DM. Like, what else can you put in the game to make it fun? Because it really shouldn't be about always beating up on the players. You know, in fact, if if your fun is beating up on the players that, you know, your players probably aren't going to enjoy that so much. Your, your fun's got to come from something else.
1: Yeah, that's that was kind of what I was going to point to as well, Thorne, in the sense that for new DM, one, how much have you played previously before getting behind the screen? If at all, because who knows? Sometimes you're just like, well, you're the DM now, and we're going to learn this game <laughs> like we talked about. But also, are you still playing? And one, what did you like as a player? Because when you're getting beat up as a player all the time, that's not fun. Just being challenged all the time isn't fun in that way. There is a level of that psychology that, of D&D that happens on the other side where you wanna feel like the hero. You wanna feel like, oh, if I just had that one move or that one spell or whatever, I could have shut that whole thing down. That makes you feel awesome. It's not something you wanna be doing all the time, but think back to what what did you enjoy as a player? when when the game was going and kind of reflect that in your DM style because most of us DM the games we want to play in, right? We've kind of said that before, sure. you know? Yeah. yeah, we DM in a way that we... Wish other people would DM us. I think it's some weird, this weird uh transference. Man, Dave really uh, wants more
0: funny thing. voices. More funny voices for Dave uh, in our game for Dave. Uh, I need thespians. thespians.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> need to get you in that Joe mangelo dungeon, right? Oh yeah. All the actors I'm gonna that go join
1: a, I'm gonna go join some improv troupe and then try to get them to start playing D D or something. I don't know. <laughs> I,
0: I have actually seen at a Renaissance fair a kind of a live. It wasn't a LARP. It was a kind of a a show you went to where they basically played a D and D type of game as a play they put on. So like oh, okay. it was an improv play, but the things that happened were kind of D and D ish, and like the like the audience got to roll for what was gonna like the audience got to roll if they, to see if they hit. Okay. Uh, it was pretty cool. It was oh, that uh, is, it, that's it, a mm, super cool idea. I would love it, to see that different style of improv a very D D improv style that was very neat yeah, that's awesome so a lot of this is kind of on the prep side it's on the side of proactively making sure you're going to enjoy the game once you're in the game like right, like right. is here and you don't like it what do you do how do you how do you fix this you got to change up your style
2: and that's what it really boils down to I would, I would focus on the elements that would displease you as a dm the most and see if you could change them without utterly breaking the flow and consistency of your game so you hate you hate the encounters okay fine you have two ways you can go with this one you rescale your encounters recalibrate them now those yetis have venom attacks now these vetty these yetis are berserkers you want to spice it up and just really like lay into them okay i completely agree i've been in campaigns where i've gotten my ass kicked Thorne and I, you and I were in a campaign where, I swear, we got our asses kicked every single session. And by, like, fourth level, we're like, what are we doing? I just want to go be a farmer. This is atrocious. Or maybe you have two other options here. You can have those easy encounters and just build it up to that really tough, poignant encounter. Maybe that, that solo Shredder versus the Ninja Turtles battle, but where you drop this really big, tough opponent in there to completely change the playing field. Or maybe combat's not that critical a function in the and how that game operates. Hmm. Maybe it's more about surviving. Maybe it's more about getting information. Maybe it's from reaching the next place you have to be. Those There's are the nothing, things you need to feel out.
1: Yeah, there is nothing saying that, one, you have to continue... In Icewind Dale. I mean, there's 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 nothing saying you can't go south. And you know, if the players say they're they're going south, or you open up that that possibility by kind of dropping hints about that, and then you open up a different adventure or whatever. That nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with if you're not getting that it's it's like the horror of it, and I'm supposed to make more horror. No, no. I'll tell you what. Anyone who's run Curse of Strahd has started. Being like, oh yeah, man, this is going to be like fucking Bram Stoker's Dracula, and this is going to be so dark, and I'm going to have candles and wine, and, and it turns... Into fucking Dracula, dead and loving it, starring Leslie Nielsen every (laughs) time. Okay, because you get a character that decides that he's Hulk Hogan, and you got another one that's some crazy ass gnome, and you're making a bunch of dick jokes because that's D and D. So now that's the Marvel game. Yeah, that's more the Marvel game. It's very much the Marvel game. Um, Yeah, don't worry so much about like. Care more about how the table is is making it because rhyme of the frost main doesn't exist until you play the game. They wrote a, a skeleton, but if I go and see someone's version of Macbeth, it might have the same words, but it's gonna be different because they're putting it on. They're staging it differently. They're putting different costumes on. They're delivering the lines differently. Whatever you know, it, I don't know if that makes sense in that way, but Absolutely. make it. Make it yours. There is there is everything in here to have a high fantasy adventure. There's everything in here to have it be a survival horror type thing. There's everything to make it very Lovecraftian or not. It can all it can be so many things. So kind of feel out what you like see what your players are feeding back to you and go with that.
0: Yeah, You know, I never quite got to, because uh, we, we were talking about kind of what do you do if the prep's getting to be too much? And that applies here because I think you need to come back to what you enjoy. You need to basically, if you're not enjoying the game, you need to change how that game, what you're not enjoying about it. You don't always have to be doing a lot of things that you're not enjoying just so you can have this game going on because you have to be having fun as a end. If you're not having fun as the DM, it's not going to be a good game. You know, if you're not enjoying it, they're not going to be enjoying it, or you're going to be miserable. And believe me, it's just not going to work. Like We like to look at this as something where you're trying to put on a good game for your players, but at the end of the day, as a DM, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, or if you're having to do a lot of things you don't like doing to be a DM, that's not going to work. You've got to see to that first or there will be no game. So, you know, earlier we were talking about your prep. And my solution, if the prep is getting to be too much, is some, you know, I'll just brainstorm. I want these couple things to happen and I'm going to go in and wing it. I will totally run a game with minimal or no prep. I've done it a hundred times before. You just got to be light on your kind of light on your, on your feet and come up with, you know, improv solutions. That's one solution for it. The point isn't that you should be an improv DM. The point is that, you know, figure out how do you like to run the game? What are you comfortable with and happy with doing behind the screen? And adjust back to that. And you don't need to keep anything you did from the previous games. You could you could basically say, okay, I didn't enjoy how I ran these last eight weeks' worth of games. You can chuck every piece of it. You know, if you didn't like building maps, start running Theater of the Mind Encounters. And just to be clear, in case you haven't heard of other episodes... Theater of the mind is when you play without maps. So you do combat just by saying you're here and they're there. You just do it verbally. You have players roll the dice, you roll your dice, but you don't get the map involved. So that gets rid of the whole finding maps and placing minis aspect of the game. You can improv, you know, improv what they're going to run into. Or maybe you can have, like, if there's random dungeon generators out there if you want to use something like that. You can get rid of the things making you miserable and then develop a DMing style that is yours that you do enjoy running. So I think, you know, that's really the biggest thing is you got to identify... Well, one, you can step away. I mean, and I don't, we can. I keep saying you gotta, there's no you got us. You don't have to, do this. <laughs> you know, you can hand the, hand the screen to someone else if you want to. So there's no you got us. Don't feel like you're obligated to do anything, but figure out what's making you miserable about it. What parts do you enjoy and what parts would you enjoy doing differently and make those changes? You know, it's, uh, and I guess it just sounds that easy, right? Yeah, just change it. But that's really what it comes down to. If you're not having fun, find the things you're not enjoying, cut them out, find new ways to do them. You will enjoy bring those in and if there's no solution for that get on the other side of the screen unless someone else dm um and we do i mean you mentioned the new dm does mention that here that this has made them question if they're cut out to dm i would say make changes first don't 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 give up on it yeah figure out what's bothering you make the changes find your style and then see if you like it like if you really feel like this is how i want to do it and i still don't like it well okay you know maybe maybe you're not cut out for a dm yeah
1: but that's i think that's a, real quick, Tony. I'm sorry. I just want um, to just piggyback on that. In that, aside from being like Tony and, and I were voted to be, you're gonna be the DM. Okay. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> right. Um, so you, what got you to get behind the screen? What made you buy Ryan the Frostman and and get a screen and to start this up? What made you do that? And go back to that. Why did you want to run a game in the first place? And that will tell you what you like about it and what you want to try to get out of it. And like Thorne said, lean on the, lean into your strengths. Don't worry about where your weaknesses are. Who the hell cares? You'll find those. Lean into your strengths. Or your players will. Or <laughs> your well, players will definitely. But, you know, yeah, use
2: your strengths. I have to say getting rid of maps is kind of like being asked for me if, I'd, if you're a Roll20DM if I'd like to work from home. Because you just got rid of all your commute times. <laughs> now, if you're still not having fun as it is DMing, out of all the things you suggested, I have to tell you, I have to ask, do you have the correct roles that you're playing in your game? And I'll give you an example. If you have any NPCs that you really like? I bet you don't. Um, I was playing a very loose plot 4E game. I was doing dungeon delves. And I was running two different campaigns at once. And one of them, in this one was a Dungeon Delve, one was an open-world campaign. In the Dungeon Delve, uh, my party, Thorne, was in that campaign. They ran across uh, a Nazul, who was a vampire lord. He was an elite vampire, level 9. He wasn't that big of a character. He was tough, but he was a big deal. And he really, for whatever reason, gave you guys have a really hard time Put the Hurt on you. I think he put Jera in the Hurt Locker specifically. Charmed AJ. (laughs) And then bounced. And I'm like, you know what? I'm putting this guy in my other campaign. So I took this guy. Picked him up like Lactis picked up the Silver Surfer. Juiced him. Gave him all this energy now. Dropped him this new campaign. And made him an NPC who wasn't an adversary. But he was like the leader of an evil faction. Who was amicable with dealing with them, but he wasn't so, the party, but he wasn't so evil and crazy that they, they had no choice but to directly oppose him. The players at the time were playing anti-heroes, and they wound up working with them, and had a, a pretty a pretty productive
0: relationship, actually. I'm sure reflected in the article we just put up there a little bit ago about evil uh, running evil PCs. <laughs> these, <were> like,
2: <laughs> these guys would have considered themselves evil. They did not make score very high on my evil meter. They were, like, very lukewarm.
0: Evil light, just not evil enough no no they were like the junior happy meal of they are very, very ill-tempered <laughs> yeah it, it comes down to you know knowing yourself and knowing what you like like there's no ways around that and you know as a dm it can take a little bit to find that because you come in and you know you talk about the matt mercer effect or the way people talk online because people have a lot of opinions online about how a dm should run things absolutely including us, I mean, but even what we say, yeah. take it all with a grain of salt. There's no right way to do this. There's only, are you enjoying it and are your players enjoying it? And one thing we haven't touched on here that we probably should mention, it is possible you don't have the right players. You know, you could have players who just aren't a good fit for your style of DM. I, I did have a player, like we've talked about it before, I've mentioned a few times that, you know, sometimes you have a party that just wants you to run the monsters at them. And you start to feel like you're just a PC. Like you're not an active player. You start to feel like you're just kind of, just just running the challenges at them, you're just kind of computating everything and not actively playing. I've had players who wanted that, who got upset when like I went off book on things or you know, they had to deal with things they couldn't that they that were mathematically above their level, a kind of constraint encounters, we call them. And that's not a great match. You know, and you gotta spot that sometimes. Like if it's just what you want to do and what you enjoy and what the players enjoy, if what the players enjoy makes you feel like you have to do running the game in a way you're not enjoying. And maybe it's not a great match. Maybe you gotta. Maybe there might be. Maybe some other players. And Dave's talked about curating play groups. You know, sometimes it's sometimes it's a little mix and match here. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I really love playing with this person, but maybe not with that person. And you sometimes delicately build another group based around who you do like playing with.
1: Yeah, that, that is a, that is the harder um the harder answer Thor, but that is absolutely true too. You know, we uh sometimes the players are 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 uh, more of the problem. Well, it doesn't sound like that. It sounds though. I mean, just from the general tone of the letter, it sounds like they're having fun, but there's just a lot of self-doubt and a lot of uh, like imposter syndrome behind the screen. And that's where it's like, don't you know? I think what separates us from some of the the online chatter is that we're at least trying to be supportive with it. It's not this. Oh, well, you're just if you ain't doing it this way, you suck, and you're doing it. We're like, oh my, how is that helping me? I'm just trying to learn here, brother.
2: You know? <laughs> well, after hear that, I talked to my dad. I
0: mean, my right. dad. Yeah. <laughs> and and it really is. I mean, you're the DM. Like, it's gonna be your game. Like, it's you know, think about how we talk about it. It's your game, and you don't have to. You know, you've got to run it the way you want to run it. If it's not rewarding to you, you're not gonna run it. And then I've said it many times, but then no one gets to play. You know, maybe there's another DM in the group who can take it, but. You know, it's at the end of the day, yeah, you really, you've got to find the players and the style and the thing you want to do that makes it fun for you to run as a DM. And if it ain't fun, it ain't going to work. And that's not, it won't just, it's not just it won't be fun for you, it won't work in the long term. Like that's not going to work moving forward as a game.
2: I was thinking along the same line, Dave. It doesn't feel like this DM's players are blatantly unhappy. That's true. Yeah, it sounds like the players are enjoying themselves.
1: They dug that he dropped a healer. Perhaps their level of (laughs) creativity.
2: Right? Right. Like, isn't that a strange paradox? Like, hey, my encounters are too easy, but good God, we need a healer, which is kind of how I feel in, you know, the Strahd game, but don't get me started on (laughs) that. What
1: do you mean you have a
0: cleric just because they don't necessarily prepare healing heal Ever, Dave. He hasn't broken a nail in like six encounters. He doesn't know what you're talking about.
2: (laughs) I, I, I'm,
0: I'm just saying... John, um, you guys are going to enter
1: the Amber Temple. That's all I'm going to say, okay? <laughs> we'll just leave it Amber at that. Temple. We'll talk after the Amber Temple. Aserak
0: is there to answer all your healer need questions. <laughs> the tomb of Horrors. Tomb <laughs> of Horrors.
2: <laughs> I'm expecting a hoping D doesn't roll anything higher than a four and it won't come up, but um, <laughs> I love it. I've got like 47 hit points and a little one's like, here you go, bestie. Have Healing word, my roll. Da-da-da-da. Four hit points back. I'm like, thanks, chum. That's 12. well,
1: but to be fair, for you, Tony, that's kind of like eight.
2: Because
1: <laughs> you only you take half damage from everything. Except, except like pain.
2: completely damaged.
1: Yeah, except brain hurt. <laughs> Right.
0: Got to hit him where he's weak, in the brain. Yeah, I have to
1: to, put a bunch of Slurpee machines out so he gets brain freeze or something.
0: Oh God, four points (laughs)
1: psychic
2: cherry icy. But 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 I'm getting way off topic here. Uh, But yeah, no, I mean, I I don't think his this person's players. You're you're eight games. I got to tell you, if this this uh, team of players is unhappy, it'd be on the table, literally and figuratively they'd already be talking about new game or no game or you'd be losing players i mean 8 games in is actually pretty extensive
1: yeah you definitely would be having problems scheduling games right all of a sudden people schedule oh, i don't know if i can make that day and yeah yeah that is a good point too so it doesn't say, it, it doesn't feel as though the players are not digging it but if you're not digging it by running it that's not that's not fair, right? That's not because again, like Thorne said, you're not the CPU, you know.
0: And and you know what? But it is an indication if the players are digging it and you're not, you probably have room to make adjustments, right? Sure. Well, you're, you've hit what they want to do. Okay, so just you just got to get your side in line. You got to figure out what you want to do. And it sounds like they'll go with you, right? I mean, that's the important thing. You want players who'll go with you on whatever you on whatever you want to you want to do with the game. And if you have that and the players are enjoying it, and then you can find what you enjoy, then then you're gonna have a better game. All right. So we've been going on with this stuff for a little bit. I think we've answered, we've hit all the points in the, uh, in, in the message, I think. So why don't we get to some final thoughts, guys, final thoughts and uh, about what you do when you don't, when, when you're not having fun in the game.
2: Uh, If I'm not having fun in the game, have got to try to identify where that's coming from, make adjustments and then get back to your basics on what you do enjoy. Like what makes you made you want to be, I like Dave's one point What made you go there and do this in the first place. I love designing custom treasure, yeah. um, you know, making an occasional surprisingly tough encounter, attacking players when they're not expecting. Like, oh, we're at the vacation resort. Here come the matter, Scorpions. You know, like those are my good moments because I, you know, so a lot of times I've been I'm very used to players, you know, being, needing to be dragged, kicking and screaming to the plot. That's fine. I have no problem bringing the plot right to you. <laughs> don't you worry, it will find you. But if you, um, if, if you're struggling with these things, there, there are changes. I liked your point, Thorn. If either these players are reasonably happy, yeah, they'll probably come with you. Add or subtract the things that are, uh, are irking you. Get rid of those pesky maps or roll them back. I don't know, especially roll twenty. It's tough to get rid of all the maps, but make it less. Don't make it so
0: laborious. I mean, just to to quantify that, I've gone from basically trying to get a, you know, I usually have about three combat encounters in my games. I've gone to a system where I'm tending to only do combat maps like for one of those encounters. Unless it's like a map, like like a whole like mansion map you guys are exploring, I'll do two Theater of the Mind and then one battle map combat encounter. And that that, that lets me manage my.
1: I I love that mansion map. That was really, that was really fun. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> I know I, I dug it. I dug it because I got to be on the other side of exploring like a big house like that, like you guys have done in Strahd, you know, so that was really cool. I like those maps.
0: I'm glad. Cool.
1: Um, I would say uh, I always go back to, to uh, Matt Colville's stuff, pitching your campaign. I think it's wonderful. It sounds as though you guys probably did that. Uh, because you're specifically playing this adventure, I don't think you just said, "Well, we're just—I'll just pick some whatever one is the newest and I'll do that." I'm gonna guess that if people were like, "Hey, we want to play this this Icewind Dale one." So, but with that, like Thorn has said, know the movie that you're in. So, you know, if you're, you know, if if you're trying to run Centurion or Soldier or something, and it's Macbeth. There's going to have to be some adjustments, or you're going to be frustrated because nothing works, you know? You know, do you want to be Frodo and Sam, climbing through the hellscape that is Mordor, or do you want to be Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, having all the fucking fun in Middle-earth, <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> right. Or do you want to be Gandalf, and you are fighting on all of these, like, different planes of existence, and you're fighting this massive CR-20 Balrog or something, right? There are absolutely ways that you can help yourself in any of the the, the admin of the game, prep, and uh, you know stuff like that. There there are lots of fixes for that. So, but like I said, what got you to want to sit behind the screen the first for this game for the first time, whatever it is, and run a game and go to that, play to your strengths, lean into those, railroad if you need to in the beginning, learn what you like about the game and let that teach you. Because it sounds like your players are having a good time. You know, well,
0: railroading is not so bad when you need to get the game back on, back to where you want it to be. Yeah. You know, really, I mean, we talk about open world, and it is, it is great to let the players do whatever they want to do and just react to that. But if the game isn't where you want it to be and you're not having fun where it is, railroading is not a bad thing. Get them back where you need them to be so for my, you know, my final thoughts, you know, when you, I, I think i said a thousand times here, you know, f- figure out what you really want to do, what you're going to enjoy doing as a DM and do a lot of it. One thing we didn't get into, cause we haven't played rhyme of the frost maiden yet, but I do know from reputation that rhyme of the frost maiden has some crazy, sh- crazy things in there. They have the scroll to summon Tarasque. They've got a sperm whale flying around with a magic bubble on its head. You've got cool, magical, fantastical stuff in there somewhere.
1: And they got some creepy ass fucking monsters, bud. Like Ooh. creepy monsters. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I would, you know, if if you're not enjoying the survival horror, maybe lean into more of the fantastical stuff. It might be if you want something a little more fanciful, a little more happy-go-lucky fantasy. Maybe get out. <laughs> maybe leave the mad, you know, the madness of the north and get down to somewhere warm and sunny with fairies and sprites and whatnot. And just, yeah, try to figure out what you want to do, you know. And if you can't find a spot where you're happy, where you're enjoying yourself being in the DM, don't feel like you have to. Let someone else do it. Maybe there's someone else at the table. Like, if you don't like being a DM, maybe there's someone else at your table who you can see, I think this guy's going to be a good DM, and pass it to him. Because, as we all know, there's nothing more powerful than someone saying, hey, you'd make a great DM. And all of a sudden, you're the DM for the next 27 years. (laughs) There Guys, this has been a lot of fun. Good time talking with you, and I hope uh, DM, I hope that we were able to give you some good advice. Let us know, please. Yeah, love to hear how this and turns out. And give us your name too. And it yeah. better not be Tony. Mm. Oh, <laughs> I think maybe one of the next uh, one of the next articles needs to be the case for the DMPC. You know, it's why, why this is a good thing in some yeah. games. Ah. The unsung hero of many campaigns, the DMPC.
1: Why Our... does Gandalf need to exist? Here's my thesis statement. Well, well,
0: technically, wasn't Tom Bombadil the DMPC in Middle Earth? That was Uh, mine. He
1: was like the most ultimate NPC that wouldn't. He could change everything and wouldn't help you. He was that, (laughs) and he was the way I play NPCs, where like they can really do a lot, but they're like, yeah, I can't get off work, man. Sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, or like when I did with the paladins, you know, the 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 party's like asking the paladins, hey, why can't you send riders out to help us? Send your army with us? No, they're doing other things.
1: we got a lot of stuff going on. You don't even know. You know. There's
0: nothing hey. DMH worse than the party who wants the NPCs to solve the problem for him. I'm like, I'm oh, sorry, did you want an adventure? Or should I just give it to these guys and we break for the night? <laughs> i roll some dice and let you know what happened in the morning. <laughs> hey,
2: you know what? I, I have my DM uh, NPC PC, but your party only has one slot for that character. So your guys save the dragon in uh, in uh, Storm King's in the Cloud Giant Castle. And you're like, join our party. And he's like, nope. Sorry, your party is
0: full. <laughs> <laughs> sorry that everyone who's uh all of you listening at home thank you very much for catching another episode of three wise dms we you know it's it's, it's growing great we really appreciate all your support if you want to support us more Hit that five star rating button in the podcast platform listening in. Leave us a review. Tell your friends. All those things help us get the word out. And, you know, we're really, really thank you all for the support you've given us so far. If you want to have your question answered on Three Wise DMs, you can send us an email at threewisedms at gmail.com or leave a comment in the What's Your Problem field on our website. It does help if you can throw your name and email in there, so please do that if you think to. You can also talk to us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, where we are now very active and we're responding to comments there all over the place. So you know, check us out there if you want to connect. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time 3Wise DMs.